Ready. Hey. Just in the middle of the field, 45, 50. Green grass in front of him, leaving Lions in his way. I am Jeff Joniak. Blitz is on. Down he goes. Brisker. What was it like playing for Coach Dicka? Uh, I don't want to answer any questions like that. 61 yards. Ooh. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields. No way. Three, four, three. And now, Bears Etc. with the voices of the Chicago Bears, Jeff Joniak and Tom A promising performance for nearly three quarters extinguished in a heart-wrenching 31-28 loss to the Denver Broncos. The comeback engineered by a future Hall of Fame quarterback who leads the NFL in come-from-behind wins. Russell Wilson now with 40. That's the tenor of the morning as we get you set uh, for a look at the Washington Commanders as well. A lot jammed into our Bears Etc. podcast. Welcome in episode 21 with Super Bowl winning Bear Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. We come to you every Tuesday and Thursday during the season. However, this week, due to the Thursday night matchup in Washington, we'll come to you on Friday to recap that week five matchup. But thanks to our producers, Dan Brilli, Jordan Treadup, and Katie Tuber. Coming up, we go over the loss with uh, the Broncos with head coach Matt Eberflus in our weekly discussion, and Tom has lined up one of the NFL greats. Uh, Washington Redskins quarterback Doug Williams, his old buddy from the USFL, will join us as well. So we'll combo attack this one today, Tommy, and uh, we'll go review and preview in one podcast. So let's dig in. Uh, First and foremost, uh, the impact of a loss uh, takes on a different feel at times in terms of how you lose. It still counts as one, but for some reason, this one stings a little bit more than normal. Yeah, but, you know, Jeff, I'm disappointed it's on the beginning of a short week because this is one tape that I think has a lot of value to be able to show the the team and break it down in slow increments because there's a lot of things that were done really well. I think Luke Getze had a better grasp on how to feed Justin the right plays, the right information that can keep you in the attack mode. Justin took advantage of some great throws and some really small windows. I thought that the process and the fluidity of the offense was the continuous growth process that I want to see. So that's why I'm saying I wish it was on a longer week and maybe during the bye week, this is a video that you would like to revisit to the team to say, hey, here are some examples of what we've done in the past. Let's continue this process. Here's Cole Komet on losing a game like this one. My grandfather always used to say uh, he was a baseball coach, but um, he, he he the 1-0 losses were so much worse than the 10-0 losses just because of, you know, those feelings he had, and especially a game like that when you're up and you're in control of the game and, and you lose like that. Um, yeah, that hurts. It hurts for sure. Yeah. And, you know, he plays with emotion. A lot of guys in that locker room after the game, and I talked about it. We'll talk about it with Coach Eberflus well after the game ended and everybody was cleared out their lockers. It tells me that it really did hurt. It hurt this one. They played well enough to win the game, and they just didn't finish. Well, you know, the unfortunate thing for a guy like Cole is he had a big game. Yeah. He and Justin, you know, they had some great connections, some big touchdowns, some plays that had some big value to that game and going forward. And when you have to kind of leave that in the rearview mirror, there's nothing that could be more disappointing. Uh, you got to continue that positive frame of mind, take the growth process from the game, but you can't sit there and high-five and celebrate because the outcome wasn't what you wanted. Right, and, you know, Ron Rivera in Washington is saying the same thing. Uh, he, he said no moral victories after a great performance uh, and a near upset of the Philadelphia Eagles on the road. Uh, but, you know, getting over the hump is key. Here's Tremaine Edmonds. You know, I think yesterday, you know, obviously it was tough. Um, you know, going home, thinking about it, sleeping on it. But um, 
you know, the thing about this league is, you know, the next game comes quick. And, um, you know, I, I think based off my experience, um, you know, that next day, um, it's a step towards how you want this next game to go. And um, you can even look at it one or two ways. Like you could take a step back and, you know, feel sorry for yourself, uh, make excuses, point the finger, you know, whatever it may be. Or you could take a step forward and say, listen, this is what we need to get better with, understand what it is, and we take positive steps forward. So um, energy this today was just, that's what the mindset is. Um, that's what my mindset is. That's what the guys around me mindset is. And that's what we focus on. Thursday is going to be here before we know it. So there's no need for us to feel sorry about ourselves. Um, you know, I think that's the really the only way to to deal with it. You know what I mean? Is to get better, to get to think positive, and um, to get ourselves ready to play on Thursday. And I thought Tremaine acted like a true captain at the podium on Monday. He was very direct. He was very thorough in his explanation of where this is at. He, you know, you got to look at it the way it is. You got to put it in a proper frame here. And if it was a win, you'd be feel, feeling the same way. You got to forget about it and move on. Can you do the same things you did against Denver? against Washington. Oh, yeah, because I think you still have the same exposable athleticism by a guy like Justin Fields. I think that you have a guy like Khalil Herbert that's always going to run hard. You have a good, tough guy. I mean, a tough guy in DJ Moore who's got the willingness to make catches even even when he knows he's going to get hit. So all those types of things are transferable. And then – you know, the offensive line is starting to get that gel, and now that Tevin Jenkins is going to be activated again, how does that depth fit in the mix? So, yeah, there's a lot of things that you can bring with you to Washington. <clears throat> and then the defensive side of it, you got to continue to play fast. You got to get those play- tackles for loss by Demarcus Walker. You got to get a nice blitz by Jack Sanborn that sets up a sack opportunity for Dominique Robinson. You still got to unleash a guy like Ngakwe to see if you can get some one-on-one matchups against this offensive line that you feel favorable with. And I like last year, you're getting a defensive backfield because they're playing with depth that are getting experience. So when guys turn around and get back on, that creates depth. One thing I would like to see, I'm waiting to see more out of Jaquan Brisker. And I don't know if it's a coaching element to a defensive back game or he's just it's just been quiet for him. So I have high expectations for Jaquan, and that's what I want to see him, how I want to see him play. And meanwhile, let's let's find out the status from Hallis with head coach Matt Eberflus. All right, welcome back, coach, here on Bears, etc. Uh, let's take a look at things and preview. We've got to do a, a double duty today, short week. Um, we're brought to you by PNC, official bank of the Bears. But first, does the impact of a loss take on a different feel in terms of how you lose? So what I'm saying is, they all count the same, but is it more devastating to lose a game like that when you had a big lead? Yeah, I would say that, uh, you know, you look at the first three quarters, I believe that we're going to create some momentum for ourselves here, yeah. number one, um, because we we did things right for three quarters. And and that's what we're going to build upon, and I think that's where our players' mindset is. Um, certainly we're all disappointed that we didn't finish that game um, the right way. You know, we got to take care of the ball. we got to take the ball away in the fourth quarter. Um you know, obviously the go forward on fourth down, you know, if we get that, we can seal the game um, and you know, certainly put the game in, in our tilt in our favor, you know, at that moment. But uh, again, the first three quarters were really good. And uh, we took a step forward. We focused on the details and focused on fundamentals and uh, really did a good job of enhancing the skill of our players in terms of the play calls and the different things that we did 
um, with our offense, and I thought our defense played well too uh, for those first three quarters. We just got to do a better job of finishing. You often hear quotes from injured players that could apply, I guess, in this case, 0-4 start, but the comeback is greater than the setback. Uh, can you use that belief to your advantage in any way? Yeah, you know, the, the main thing is, you know, guys sticking together. Yeah. You know, we got a tight group. You know, the relationships that we have together are strong. Uh, the bond in our team is strong, and you can feel that. You can see the way they're fighting for each other. You can see the way they fought last week, you know, to get to get it done. And, uh, again, only good things are going to happen when we keep fighting for each other. To your point, I went into the locker room very late yesterday, had to do some, some stuff uh, for Marquee Network, and Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson, Khalil Herbert, Jaquan Brisker, Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, they were all in there. Some still hadn't even gotten into the shower yet, and this was well after that locker room cleared out. And it stuck with me as they were sitting there talking, Chopping it up, doing whatever they're talking about the game, you know they are, and you could just see it on their faces. Like, and then talking to Herbert, you know, you could see the pain on his face. He goes, "We gotta get, we gotta get that, we gotta get that yard. We got, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta." So, to your point, it is a tight team. They were they were talking about the game, talking about what's next. Yeah, you know, it's important to them. You know, these guys, we spend so much time together. You know, and we invest so much energy and time into preparation for each week. You know, when you put that passion into it, you know, you expect to win, you know, and, and those guys do. You know, we just got to put our best foot forward going into Washington, and uh, our preparation's got to be right. Heck, you know, we'll preview Washington in a second, but my, my key to the game, I was I always ask it, fourth quarter, that's it. No matter the circumstance, trailing, leading, doesn't matter. Fourth quarter, decision-making, execution, all that, that that's the key to this league. It, it's fourth quarter. You could. It's perfect evidence uh, supported to yesterday. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's most of them come down to one-score yeah. games, and uh, again, that's uh, you know certainly the case that we don't had to finish in that game last uh, yesterday. But uh, again, again, we got to put our best foot forward this week. Did Justin Fields need a game like that to exhale a little bit? I'm not. I'm not suggesting that uh, you know there was anything tied up in his head about how he's been playing or how the offense has been playing, but just to have that success and to I keep using your term, finding his skills. You know, finding his skill. The players, the tight ends, the running backs, the, t- the targets to the wide receivers. Uh, 14 targets, 13 catches. So he found his skill. Did he need a game like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, a, it's really a good step in the right direction. You know, I think that uh, he has a lot of confidence um, anyway. You know, and he, now he's able to uh, look and see the fruits of his labor. He's been working his tail off to be able to uh, have a game like that. And, uh, again, um, he was he was on fire, you know. He had obviously that first half, and you know, and the four touchdowns and all the things that he accomplished during that game. But again, he'll be the first to tell you um, that we need to finish, you know. And that's not just him; it's everybody. And uh, you know, I just saw him in the hallway. We were just talking about it together. So it's really important that uh, we learn how to do it as a football team. But again, this is a step in a momentum direction for us as a football team um, uh, this last week. And you can't have things situations, pull the rope on that momentum. So, Jace Claypool, you discussed it at length. We don't need to go into every question about it, but he will not be with the team this week. Um, a part of it is how he's acted, performed, etc., day to day to day, clearly. But with a young team that's still learning how to win and a locker room full of young guys, professional examples have to be set by veterans. Is that part of this? 
Well, I would say we have a lot of great examples yes. in our locker room that, that that are just awesome. But you can't have anybody pull the rope on that. Yeah, I mean, so you know, the guys are have to pull the rope in the right direction. You know, so it's important for us to be able to to, to look at the positives and making sure that we're you know all you know you know on time for things, right? Being professional, being respectful, you know, and then working you know, working hard and working smart. And, uh, you know, the guys in the, in the, in the building are, are doing a great job of that, and they're hanging together. All right, let's turn our heads to Washington. Ron Rivera, a uh, great Chicago Bear, uh, also a coach here as a defensive coordinator in Lovey Smith. Uh, I tell you, first thing that sticks out is that defensive front for, the, yeah. for Washington. Yeah, the defense, and you placed them last year, I think, week six. Right, yeah, the defensive front is, is really good. You know, uh, you know all first-rounders up there. Yeah. And uh, you know they roll pretty good, and uh, they got they rotate guys in there as well. But uh, again, those first four guys are, are really good players, and they can really create pressure on the quarterback, which allows them to play a lot of coverage. Um, you know, so they certainly do that, and, and Jack does a good job of coordinating that defense. Yeah, Jack Del Rio. Uh, let's now talk about Sam Howell, uh, an emerging player. Uh, he's had moments of, of great success already this season. Other times not uh, because of taking a lot of sacks or whatever, but uh, what's your quick snap analysis of Sam Howell? Yeah, I mean, he's poised, you know, for a young guy and, and, and delivers the ball and distributes the ball well uh, within the offense. I think he has a really good grasp of uh, uh, Eric's offense, and I think that, uh, you know, he's doing well and he's progressing. He's getting better every week, and you saw the game yesterday, you know, against Philly. Um, you know, they played, uh, you know, variations of coverage, and he was able to read them and deliver the ball in the right spots. And, and, you know, made some big plays, you know, down the stretch there to obviously tie the score to get it into overtime. Um, you know, so um, I thought he's really, he's really progressing well. Take a chance. Download the Bet Rivers app today. In a really good uh, division, that NFC East, they play a, a very particular brand of ball, just like the NFC North does. Uh, what you saw on tape, does it look like Kansas City offense with Eric Bieniemy a little bit? Uh, there, or has he got cer- his own touch on it? No, I think it, there's a there's certainly that Kansas City uh, style to it, but uh, I think Eric's got his own little flavor to it, you know. So uh, you know, we'll keep studying it, looking at it, and again, we put a lot of time on it, you know, in the past. Yeah, you know, obviously yeah. before yeah, plan started. ahead. Yeah, you got to plan ahead, and we did that, and uh, again, we'll be ready for it. All right. So in terms of our health and our players, uh, uh, good news with Tevin Jenkins cleared to uh, start that process of getting back from his calf injury. Are you optimistic, even for this game? Yeah, he's been, he's cleared to practice, like you said, and uh, we'll see where he is. You know, we'll see where he goes and see how he's moving around, and uh, and we'll just look at him as you know. I know they only walk through practices, but again, he'll be working out on the side uh, to get more, get himself moving around, and we'll see where it goes. And then Kyler Gordon saw him no cast anymore, nothing at so that's also coming soon. Yeah, that's that's really good. And again, to get uh, some of those starters back is going to be you know a shot in the arm for us. You know, when you get talent, you know, back into your team, it's certainly uh, certainly helpful. All right, we will talk to you uh, on Thursday with our pregame interview. Okay. Good luck this week. We'll see you then. Thanks. All right, uh, a part of the discussion there was Chase Claypool. And, and you know, he talked about it in depth. We're not going to go through it in depth. You got so many questions about why he's not going to be a part of this this week, and his future certainly is in some serious question here with the Bears. Whatever happens next is up to the general manager, Ryan Poles, in, in the front office and and that kind of conversation. But I, I posed this question, and you just heard it to Coach Eberflus, so I'll pose it to you. Uh, despite the man's talent, whatever's been going on, it's not just what he's saying. It's what he's doing, clearly not doing, that meets a certain standard weekly, daily, and uh, on the field that they have 
surmised that, hey, you know what, you need to step away here. Is that the right move with a young team? Because you don't want you want veterans that influence you to be professional. You you don't want to have those types of players that give a different kind of vibe in the locker room. Would you say that's a fair representation of why this may be happening? Uh, Jeff, have you ever competed in a real tug of war with a rope? With I, I have, but it's, but sadly now it's a serious topic. But we're going to laugh because just, uh, it was right. no, it was with Anthony Adams on the beach with a bunch of ex Bears and a Bears fan trip. Yeah, I did it. Okay, to analogize, yeah. you have to have everybody pulling in the right direction. You have to have everybody giving their best in the same direction in order to try to win a struggle of that type of that type of struggle, and it's a week-to-week struggle in the NFL. So you need people talking positively. You need people, if they have something that they would like to get off their chest, they have to do it to their coach privately. Um, and if you feel that you're being underutilized, then bring that to the head coach and tell them what your concerns are to make sure you don't start a negative topic outside the locker room. Because now, if you start a negative topic outside the locker room, Jeff, every single media person that walks in that locker room is going to ask everybody the same question, no matter if you're a receiver to a defensive back, to a defensive lineman, to a tackle. And once you start answering a question about somebody else, it's a distraction that continue, uh, brings on a negative preparation process good news chicago united airlines is getting brand new planes with all the bells and whistles like bluetooth connectivity screens at every seat and room for everyone's roller bag united proud to fly the chicago bears and you too jeff joniak tom thayer on the bears etc podcast all right without further delay let's uh jump into our conversation with doug williams uh your old teammate in the united states football league and a, and a great member of a super bowl champion washington Redskins team back in the day. From Zachary, Louisiana to Grambling in the mid-70s to the 17th pick of the 78 NFL draft by Tampa Bay to the USFL and the Arizona Wranglers to the Washington, then known as the Redskins from 86 to 89, a two-time Super Bowl winner and one of the greatest players in Washington history. I'm telling you, folks, we're just scratching the surface (laughs) of a man with a long resume and a deep, deep love of the game of football. Uh, also in administration and currently senior advisor in Washington with the Commanders. Please welcome the great Doug Williams to Bears, etc. How you doing, Doug? How how you feeling? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. My, uh, my, my main man, Tom Carlin. I can't <laughs> Tom down, man. That's my man. Yeah. Why? Why is he uh, your man? Tell us. Tell us the why. You know, what, you know what? Go back. You know to the USFL. I mean, Tom was so easy, man. When he walked in, I knew right then. You know, he's he's that guy that you can just latch on to and, and he become your friend. That's what it was for us. You know? <laughs> well, Doug, you know how much I love you. You know, you know, Doug, when I was thinking about you, I was thinking about your career with Tampa Bay, your career as a coach now, given what Dion is doing. The, <clears throat> excuse me, 86, 87 Redskins when you beat the Bears in Chicago. And then your time of success. So, Honestly, I don't know where to begin, but <laughs> in the state we're at with the Bears, have you ever faced a scenario like this where you're kind of searching for answers and you being a quarterback and we have a quarterback as athletic, as talented as any quarterback in the league, what are the solutions of the problems that we're facing? Well, you know, it's hard for me to answer the problems with what you all face, but I can say this, when I was a rookie, uh, when I went to Tampa and became a starter, 
Um, you know, Tampa was was I don't want they was they was bad. They was bad. Right. Two years they won two games. And I thought when I went there, you know, the players that we had, we had some pretty good players, especially on defense. And then they saw a little hope because I played until I got my job broke. And by that time we had already won four games. And four games, you know, that's like four games we had won the previous two years. So I think a lot of people saw a lot of hope. The fans saw hope. And 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 the coaches realized what was happening because it came back the next year and we ended up winning, winning the conference, which was, you know, with the guys around it, with Leroy Selman and David Lewis and all those guys playing defense. Uh, Coach, Coach McKay used to always say when we go to meeting on Monday morning, he said, hey, guys, if we if you keep it close, Dougie will win it for us. That was what he always say. So we had confidence that we can win the game. We never went out there trying to trying to win a game. We went out there with the idea that we was going to win, and that's what happened that second year. The third year we got beat up again, but, you know, three of those five years down there, we was able to go to the playoff, which was pretty good. Okay, now you're in a locker room with Justin Fields, and you're saying, Justin, this is my experience. <clears throat> this is my advice to you going forward. What would that be? Wow, you know, still working for the commanders. I, I hate to talk about what's happening with, well, with Chicago. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not talking about Chicago against the commanders. I'm talking yeah. about your personal experience well, and your growth process to Justin. Well, the same thing, you know, last week, our young quarterback had a bad week. And and he four interceptions and stuff. And after the game, you know, I had a chance to talk to him in, in the parking lot. And the thing, you know, because he got talent just like Justin has talent. You know, what I told him, he got to keep his head up. Number one, I played with a guy named Ricky Bell, bless, bless his soul. When I was a rookie, when I had a bad game, you know, Ricky would always come to the dress room and sit by me. He said, hey, man, you know what you can do. You got to keep going forward. And I think that's the most important thing. You, you know, what, what is happening now, these young guys got the media to worry about. They got the, the, the radio shows and everything that they got to worry about. The talking heads going to say whatever they want to say. But you there for a reason. You was a first-round pick. Hey, they picked you to play this game. So mentally, he got to get himself together and overcome any, any distraction outside of football and let it all be about football. The great Doug Williams, our guest here on Bears, etc. With Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. Good to have you alongside. Uh, you mentioned distractions, and there are so many now. Uh, <laughs> and put yourself, if you advance yourself from what you were as a 20, 22, 23-year-old kid coming into the NFL how would you have handled it today? And it, because it is, you're like, you're almost like a CEO of your own company and, and you're representing the team, but you have to do, there are requirements to get to that podium every week after every game on the team radio broadcast after the game, not to mention what's swirling in social media. Well, you know what? I don't, I don't envy these guys, to be honest with you, you know, because when, when I played, we, we didn't have that to worry about. You just had to worry about doing your job and going in and facing the coaches on, on Mondays and stuff like that. These guys got so many things coming at them. I mean, they got so many things that they want to do. And I think it's a little different, too, because and Tom would answer this. Back in the day, you you went to the locker room and practice over. You sat around. You talked to the guys you mm-hmm. played with. You know, it was more that that togetherness that you knew what the other guys now you know, these guys got so many toys. They don't have time to sit around and talk to their teammates and stuff like that. They don't go out to eat together. They don't do a lot of things together. And I think back in the day, all that happened. And it, it, it became cohesive. And it's, it brought down to you do your job, I do my job, and we do our job together. It's not like that anymore. And when you think about your time in just ownership alone, 
You think of the owner that you played for and then where it went to and where it is now. Is this ownership, is it a culture change from where you started to where it is now? And is it is it moving in a positive direction? Well, let me say this. When I got here, Jack King Cook was the owner. Right. And, and, and Joe Gills was the coach and Bobby Belton was the general manager. All I know is that Jack King Cook stayed away from football and gave Bobby and Joe whatever they needed to, to coach and, and make the team work. And all he ever wanted to say was just win, you know, and that's what he did. Um, you know, I come here, I've been going here, been here for the last 10 years and uh, the ownership was a little different is up on a different direction. Um, you know, I just had to deal with what was here and uh, they was here before I got here. I spent the last nine years here and now this new ownership come in. Now I see what it's like the changing of guards. The ownership today are guys that when I played and the guys before me played that lived in this area. So they understand what it was like when we was winning. So I think by them being the owner, the the, the, the love of the game, the passion of the game is, is back. That's the feeling at this particular time that these owners understand what it was like when they was living around here and we was winning. So that's what they want to get back to. And I think they're going to give us everything we need to make that happen. As a result of that, Doug, uh, with Josh Harris's arrival, I, I noticed that the fans uh, appear to be uh, a little more excited, maybe a lot more excited, more engaged, and, and more hopeful for the future. And with President Jason Wright there as well, someone you work closely with, do you feel it from back from the fans? Because it is one of the greatest fan bases in America. Hey, I'll tell you what, the last few weeks, you know, the, the preseason was so great. The camp was so great. We, I mean, we had people coming here that we hadn't seen before. I mean, we had two days where we had over 10,000 people at, at camp. Hmm. And I've been here for nine years, and we never had that type of people, that many people here. And I think the enthusiasm of the people with, with the change in regard uh, was a big plus. And now that, you know, we won two games, lost two, what have you. But this is a good football team, and we – trying to go forward and you know the more we win the more these this fan base gonna come back together but i think they all applaud the fact that we do have new ownership and they're looking for a good ride doug when you when you think about your career the pressures of your career from tampa bay when you're a first round draft choice to coming with incredible expectations with the washington team was it was the pressure the same or was it different and then you consider the success you had as a Super Bowl winning quarterback. What was the difference in the two pressures? You know what, Tom? You know, I think about that a lot. You know, what was the pressure? I don't, you know, coming up, I've been an athlete all my life. I came out of a family that was full of athletes. My younger brother, my oldest brother, my sister, everybody was competing. And I, I've always felt that pressure was something that an individual put up on themselves. And, and when I went out to play, the one thing I always say, I, you play to win, and it wasn't pressure to win. You know, if you do what you're supposed to do and the guy next to you and everybody else do their job, you know, you, you're going to find a way to win. It's just like baseball when I was a pitcher. I knew right then, you know, it's a, it's a team sport, but if you're a pitcher and you got a catcher, it's you and him, and you try to make it work. And you, if you win, the team wins. And, and that's where I always look at it without putting pressure on myself. And I know, you know, in that huddle in Tampa back when I was a rookie, you know, you had so many fans, you know, being a black quarterback in 1978 was, wasn't fashionable. 
And I understood that, but I had people to lean on. My oldest brother, I was always able to call Coach Rob, and we talked stuff through. And he used to always say, do what you did here at Grambling, play football, and don't worry about the outside. And I I tried to do that. And coming here to Washington, you know, I knew I was with a better football team. I knew I had a better offensive line. I know Coach Gibbs, who, who coached me down in Tampa when I was a rookie. So I knew Coach Gibbs when I came up here. And, you know, to me, it was a blessing knowing that, you know, I got a great offensive line. And as a quarterback, that's one thing you need. I don't care what happened. If your offensive line is not working, I can promise you the quarterback won't be rewarded. <laughs> you know, I was fortunate enough to come here to, to have that type of uh, feeling in, in the offensive line to protect me. Super Bowl winning quarterback, Super Bowl MVP, Doug Williams with us here on Bears, etc. You, you mentioned uh, what it was like in that atmosphere in the 19, late 1970s. I don't know if Bears fans remember this at all, but you and Vince Evans made history. First NFL game ever to have a black starting quarterback on both teams in 1979. I didn't have the time to look up the outcome of that res- uh, result. I don't remember. You probably do. Uh, but we don't talk that way anymore. That's a good sign, right? No, you know what? I think once we get away from it, you know, yeah. I think the two guys that played in the Super Bowl, both of them was African-American. They play, And the good part about that, they played well. You know, one didn't play worse. It, it was a situation where somebody had to lose the football game, and it's a shame that they both couldn't win. But I think what they did for the Super Bowl was gave America and the world a chance to see two quarterbacks, not black quarterbacks, right. two quarterbacks play in the National Football League. How, how Do you remember the outcome of that Bears uh, game with Vince Evans? I think we won. I'm not for sure. <laughs> hey, he was a heck of an athlete too, right? He was. Yeah, but but I but I do remember that game, and you know, I talk to Vince every now and then. Oh, okay. How's he doing? Know, we we I, I try to keep in touch with him, man, and and that was a great day. And when you think about that 1979 and where we are today, yep, that was history in '79, and the first the season opened right here, 14. Black quarterback started the National Football League, which I think is a good thing. And it's not about the color of the skin of the guy. It should be the guy who's playing the position, how well they can play. Because, I mean, when you look at TV, no matter what color you are, there's some bad quarterback play across the league when you look at the realistic situation. You, you know, Doug, when you talk about Eddie Robinson, your coach at uh, Grambling, what a great coach he was. Joe Gibbs, to me, was always an offensive-minded head coach. And now you have Ron Rivera there with the commanders, uh, you know, ex-Chicago Bear, great friend of mine. Uh, how is the influence of a defensive-minded head coach in Washington? Because you look at guys like Jonathan Allen and your defense as a whole, I think it's a solid defense. How is the transition with Ron Ben from new ownership to the head coach position that he's held down for a while now? Well, I think Ron got here, this is his fourth year, three years ago, you know, he was with the the old ownership. And, and right. we knew defensively we had some people already in place, and then they brought in Chase Young, which everybody expecting, you know, this defense to really gel. You know, you got full first-round picks across the front line. Uh, to me, that's almost unheard of. So you expect this this team to gel. And I think Ron being a defensive coordinator, you got Jack Del Rio working with you. Uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, the other day might not have been as good as they would have liked for it to have been, but this defense has been playing pretty good. If you're a quarterback on the other team, it's one thing you know about this defense, that, that they're going to get after you. And, and you know, I like what they're doing. And if they can keep doing it and everything come together and put this offense together, which played well uh, yesterday, uh, I think eventually, you know, we, we'll be happy with what's going on. Miller Lite, the official beer of the Chicago Bears. Tastes like Miller time, Chicago. 
Tom, I know you got a big kick out of that. Uh, you love embracing your past, as clearly Doug did as well. Listen, you know, one thing I think my relationship with Doug Williams after all these years, it's the um, brotherhood that is created in a team working atmosphere. And everything wasn't positive during our time in the USFL. You know, we had some struggles and the USFL was a, a, a new started football league that, you know, some teams didn't have it as good as us. But every day I had the opportunity to work with Doug. I just had in my mind, here's a guy as a first rounder in the NFL that has Hall of Fame qualities about him. He came in as a leader. Doug Williams never asked to have permission to be a leader. He presented himself as a leader the moment he got there. And it people weren't offended by it. People accepted and respected it. And I think when I think of all these years and the times that I've we've got to talk to Doug in the past, I just have I just have more respect for him every single time I talk to him. And you had a chance to study a little bit about his background and how he was never given anything that everything from the time he grew up in Zachary, Louisiana, to the time where he's sitting in his office at the commander's building, the dude has paid his, he's paid his dues in order to earn the opportunities he's earned. Busy hard seltzer, the official hard seltzer of the Chicago bears, a part of the bears, et cetera, podcast. All right, let's uh, flip now into preview mode against Washington. I cannot escape the obvious first round picks across the board on the defensive line, that defensive line, uh, could pose a lot of problems if they're not blocked up. Uh, they get to the quarterback. They stop the run. Each of them have the qualities to rush the passer. Inside, defensive line, outside edge, guys. How, how problematic is this for the Bears? Well, you know, I don't know. I See, I don't look at it as a problem. I look for the solutions. And I think when I see a guy like Chase Young who hasn't played in a couple of years and he wants to rush the passer, I'm never going to give him that right, Jeff. I am going to attack him in every way, shape possible. I am going to see if I can get him at the point of attack where I can have multiple blockers on him, whether it's tackle tight end or multiple tight ends, whatever the case may be. I would like to take it, make him uninterested in being out there because I think if you can expose an attackable area of the field, then you can open up opportunities for the running game. And I think Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson can take advantage of the outside element to the running game. I think that if Chase Young doesn't and the contained rushers don't respect the athleticism of Justin Fields, he can continue to take that passing game to the outside. And so, yeah, there's exposable opportunities they're still, you know, first rounders and they're great. Jonathan Allen is the one guy that I have concern about because he's a big, strong man. Yep, he is outstanding. He is uh, one of my keys to the game, uh, dealing with him, Montez Sweat, obviously, and Deron Payne in that group. Sam Howell's been sacked a lot, a lot more than Justin Fields. He's had some tough time, five more sacks against Philadelphia. Uh, could this be the game where the Bears start getting home? Sam Howell is always going to have an uphill battle. Because he's not a first-round marquee draft choice. He's the guy that's come aboard and he's earned his opportunity to win the starting job. But when you're a mid-round pick and you're starting quarterback, you have to earn your stripes every week. And sometimes the offensive line is not giving him the opportunity to succeed. But when you have a guy like Terry McLaurin 
who can fly. You always have that outlet receiver if you feel that you, you can take advantage of pass protection that computes with speed, that computes with arm talent. So, yeah, you know, to me, Ron Rivera is always going to be kind of, a, even though he's a defensive head coach, always has a run-first mentality because that's how he grew up in his years in the NFL. So, yeah, you have to rush the passer the whole time. But like John Tierlink, the great defensive line coach, used to say, rush the passer while you're stopping the run. And I think that's kind of the mantra and the mentality the defensive front has to have. Brian Robinson Jr., their lead back, uh, piling up some yards since last season, so another guy the Bears have to deal with uh, on Thursday night. Uh, for all your journeys ahead, go with a partner who's been on your team from the beginning, the one members and communities have trusted over 85 years. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois always standing by you, with you, for you, through it all. Uh, we always do a one thing hurt around the league. This is on the uh, the downside. Uh, you certainly played on the same field as Russ Francis in your NFL career. Yeah. He, he passed away in a private plane crash on Sunday in Lake Placid, New York. Yeah, he was a great guy. I met him out at the Pro Bowl one year. He's a private pilot that used to fly himself to practice a lot when he lived a certain distance away from the 49ers practice facility. And I always admired that about him, that he was kind of thinking outside the box even as an active player. And unfortunately, that was the result of his demise. But um, it's something that he loved. It was a passion of his in his whole life. And um, when the first time I met him in Hawaii, that's the first way I was introduced to him. All right. He is a Hawaiian native, isn't he? Yeah. Wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Who, in your opinion, is the best team in the league after a month of the season? I, I believe Philly is. I think when you look at their the depth of their talent on the defensive line, the continuous improvements of uh, Jalen Hurts, their running game and how much they're willing to use it, plus their receivers, um, I, I'm super impressed by, by that team. Yeah, I'd go with that. And uh, 1A is San Francisco. They're just finding ways to get it done. Brock Purdy was uh, as successful throwing the football as Justin Fields was in terms of high completion percentage. I think he hit 20 of his 20 first throws of the game uh, on Sunday. You know, you know, the one thing that worries me about San Francisco is some way, shape, or form, they always suffer an injury during yeah. the course of the season. And they don't have the depth if they lost to Bosa or if they lost Purdy again like they did last year, unfortunately. And to me, I want to see Purdy play the whole season because I really admire of where he came from Mr. Irrelevant, how nothing was really expected of him, and he's exceeded every expectation. So I kind of, you know, I pull for him individually because he proves a lot of people wrong every time he goes out and wins another game. Gosh, we're, we're sitting here talking about two NFC teams uh, when the AFC is loaded, loaded with teams and talent. So it'll be an interesting ride over the final three Who's quarters the of the season. Who's the best team in the AFC? Well, you know, I was thinking it was Miami until yesterday. Right. Until yesterday. So I'm going to have to and then, Yeah, I don't know. That's a great one. Right. Do you know Joe Burrow was suffering? He's right. getting sacked. Um, the Cleveland Browns defense is as good as you can get, but Deshaun Watson didn't play this week. Miami still has all the speed on earth, and but if you put him in a situation late in the season, if they have to go to the most unclimate Miami conditions, you don't know how that is going to affect their play. So um, I still think Philly's the best team in the league. All right, Tom, we will uh, 
Meet again on uh, tonight as we do Bears uh, Weekly on ESPN 1000. We'll hear some of that Doug Williams interview, uh, some of it that didn't make it here to the podcast uh, for time purposes, and we'll break down the Bears and Commanders. And then on Friday, we'll recap the whole thing, Tommy. So we got a busy week ahead, uh, fun times, two games in five days, and then 10 days off to uh, sort through whatever it's going to look like after five games in this season. Look forward to it. You know, as much as I look forward to the Denver game after what both teams faced the week before, I look forward to a short week battle with Ron Rivera. Please subscribe now on the Chicago Bears official app, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bear down, everybody.